Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome to the podcast. Into the first Sunday of Lent, the weekend of February 21st, 2021. I hope you are doing well and staying safe, especially if you're traveling down to Cancun. <laughs> it can be tough. It can be really tough out there, so stay safe. Oh, what has happened to our world? Uh, if you didn't know, Ted Cruz went to Cancun this week and realized that it was a bad idea as Texas was uh, frozen over and everybody was losing power and people didn't have food or, or running water. Uh, found out that, that was maybe eating nachos by the pool was not the best idea. <laughs> oh, we have to laugh about it. It is too much to handle. All right. On a more serious note, uh, you know, please, please continue to to keep yourself uh, safe and healthy. If there's anything that anyone needs, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, I know we are coming up on the grim milestone of 500,000 U.S. COVID-19 deaths, which is just a, a unbelievable and staggering number. Uh, the senseless uh, heartbreak is more than I can really wrap my my mind around. So continue to keep yourself and others safe by doing all you can and, and really keep in mind and pray for those who are still caring for the sick and the most vulnerable and doing that in the in the midst of uh, just unbelievable temperatures and, and frozen conditions and all the kinds of things that um, we're oftentimes just, we're just not prepared uh, to take on so much. And I've been thinking about even Kelly has been in the midst of this since August, and I can't even imagine how difficult it is to be uh, confronted with all of this on, on a daily basis. So continue to uh, do all you can and keep those uh, in your prayers who are, um, who are working in really, really tough conditions. So transitioning, thank you to everybody who uh, was able to make our first Atheism for Lent gathering on Wednesday. If you weren't able to make it, no problem. As always, anybody is welcome to join in on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. as we meet for a community group. And yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping we have. We'll meet on Wednesday as well, uh, this coming Wednesday for Atheism for Lent. Uh, like I mentioned, it is obviously the first week of Lent in the church calendar, which is, if you're not familiar, if you didn't grow up in uh, a tradition that practiced Lent, I didn't uh, grow up in a tradition that, that practiced Lent or talked about Lent. It's a, it's a time that we, uh, for 40 days, we reflect on Jesus's journey to the cross and to uh, the crucifixion and to resurrection on Easter Sunday. And it's a season of uh, reflection on our uh, inner engagement, the pattern for human transformation as we sort of examine Jesus's descent to the cross and how we internalize that experience ourselves and what that means for how we live our lives. So to center our conversation this week, I, I did find this line from Roar's Meditations uh, this week helpful. The world insists that we are what we do and achieve. Contemplation in Lent invites us to practice underdoing and underachieving and reminds us of the simple grace and humility of being human. So our question for this week is going to be something like, how might we embrace mystery more during this season of Lent? How do we let go of something that we might need to let go of during this season? How do, how do we underachieve become unsuccessful 
during these next 30-something days. I mean, so much in our world tells us to to achieve and to do and to uh, accumulate and to pay attention to, and we're just constantly bombarded by uh, what we need to add and purchase and attain in order to be happy or fulfilled or successful. And I think a good framing is that line from Roar reminding us of the simple humility and grace of being human. And as we'll see in our text this morning, that is what uh, the archetype that Jesus fulfills in here as the human one. What is the simple grace of being human and how uh, does Jesus's own transformational journey uh, teach us and lead us into uh, that reminder of the simple grace of being human. So our text this morning might sound familiar because Kelly preached on a similar story from the Gospel of Matthew just a few weeks ago on Baptism of the Lord Sunday. Uh, but there are, as you know, truly infinite ways of looking and, and thinking about these texts. And even though I'm not a Bible scholar by any stretch, I continue to find these stories inspiring, compelling, and interesting. So here we are. We're going back in time in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. It was in those days that Jesus left Nazareth, a a village in the region of Galilee, and came down to the Jordan. John cleansed him through baptism in the same way all the others were ritually cleansed. But as Jesus was coming out of the waters, he looked up and saw the sky split open. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and a voice echoed in the heavens, You are my Son, my beloved one, and I am very pleased with you. After that, the Spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness, and there in the desert he stayed for 40 days. He was tested by Satan himself and surrounded by wild animals, and through these trials, heavenly messengers cared for him and ministered to him. After John was arrested by Herod, who ruled the Jewish lands on behalf of Roman interests, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and began to proclaim the good news of God. He said, it's time. The kingdom of God is near. Seek forgiveness, change your actions, and believe this good news. The word of the Lord. Okay, so we have this incredibly abbreviated, fast-paced story from the Gospel of Mark, where just in a few verses, uh, Jesus is baptized, thrown in the wilderness, tested, and emerges announcing a, a new time, a new kind of heart and mind and life is required to usher in a new kind of world, a different kind of system. All the while, John is arrested, and it just happens in this like six-verse span. It's kind of remarkable that he's able to, Mark is able to write in this kind of way. Uh, I also, just a textual note, I like that Mark emphasizes that Jesus is from Nazareth, which if you remember from a few weeks ago, Nathaniel makes fun of Jesus for his hometown basically being a loser town and nowheresville, which again, I really identify with because I'm from Waco. So I got made fun of all the time growing up being from Waco. So I want to think about this text in a couple of different ways this morning. Broadly speaking, the personal and the political. Uh, I think uh, Rohr might deem uh, his framework necessary here, the, uh, what he calls your story or my story. 
our story and then the story, the, the sort of cosmic universal story. And through the, throughout the season of Epiphany, we talked about the call to follow Jesus. This, uh, the word repentance means to change our hearts and minds and live from this kingdom of God that Jesus announces. And in a similar way, Lent invites us into this symbolic realm, which reminds uh, or awakens us to the reality of the unconscious, the underworld, the liminal space to reemerge back into the material. So in, in Lent, we're reminded that uh, our he- healing is connected to the healing of our community and the larger cosmos. If, if we can kind of expand uh, the scope of that universal symbol of the Christ, or as Jesus calls himself, the human one. So the first invitation is to see that Jesus is transformed by this Lenten pattern, this uh, pattern of call, death, resurrection, or life, death, and resurrection, into to see that we are invited into the similar pattern during Lent, to, to, to kind of walk around and, and feel it out. Uh, we might recognize that we've had moments or seasons or stages of life that we can identify with, and maybe we become more aware of different points in our lives where we had similar spiritual transformations uh, or ways that transformed how we live in our material world as individuals in similar ways to what Jesus, what is happening to Jesus here. Uh, we might sense that we're in a certain st- stage or season right now where we, um, or we might not know that, and that's, that's okay too. Uh, these kinds of things are just, they're just stories and they're just maps to help us guide us on our own personal journeys. And they're definitely not perfect. They, they really rely on our sort of own subjectivity to, to read them. Anyway, uh, so this story here in the six verses lays out similar uh, symbols and the process of Jesus's transformation. You might have heard it called many things. Joseph Campbell calls this pattern the hero's journey. Many others uh, have created similar maps and charts and stages of faith, um, you know, basically all kind of asking and try, trying to chart what creates a meaningful life. How do we change and live well in the world? Uh, Meister Eckhart calls this spiritual pa- pattern the, the wayless way, which, which I, I really like that phrase, uh, the wayless way, uh, because in the wayless way, there's a recognition, a recognition that there is a path to walk, um, but we each have to walk it ourselves. We can't uh, read about it or, or watch the game from the sidelines. We have to walk the wayless way. Uh, I think Bonhoeffer gets at a similar idea when, at the end of his life when he's writing about the need for a religionless religionless Christianity, uh, that there is, there is a path to, to chart, but it is one that's sort of outside the, the bounds and structures um, that we're familiar with or that we're comfortable with. So we'll see this pattern sort of set out in, in the Linton journey, and I like to think of it in the basic structure of call, severance, descent, 
Underworld, Return, called Severance, Descent, Underworld, and Return. And we even, uh, even the, the Christian sacrament of baptism symbolizes this, right? Call, um, there's usually a pronouncement over someone's call to be baptized. There's a severance or a letting go of down into the water, the descent, then the underworld, underwater, and the return back out of the water into, into new life. And then the Jewish consciousness teaches exodus as severance, exile as underworld, and promised land as return. So in this story from Mark, we see Jesus called by God in baptism, thrown into the wilderness by the Spirit, tested, and then returning back into the world. And like I mentioned earlier, in, in the consciousness of Lent, we, we know and we have a sense for this pattern while ultimately knowing that it leads to the cross and to resurrection. So we have that, that pattern broadly in Jesus' life as well, life, death, resurrection. Um, we see this pattern play out in all kinds of stories and texts, great mythological texts. Uh, Rohr calls this pattern uh, broadly order, disorder, reorder, which you might have heard before. Uh, we see it happen all throughout the, the scriptures. We talked a few weeks ago about the story of Jonah. We see a similar pattern play out in the life of the Buddha, leaving the realm of the known uh, and the comfort and wealth into a journey of inner transformation and returning into the world. And Dante's Divine Comedy uh, begins uh, thrown into a dark wood. We see this all the time. Okay, we get the point. Uh, a theology professor that I know recently brought a story to my attention that I wasn't familiar with uh, from Ezekiel chapter 47, which is kind of a, it's a beautiful little text, but it shows a very similar pattern as Ezekiel is led out of the temple by this trickling of water that is flowing and deepening as he steps out and as he's led from the temple by an angel. And he he's led along this path of water that gets deeper and deeper and eventually becomes a river that can't be crossed. And the angel leads him back out of the water and onto the riverbank. It's, it's a really beautiful story, but um, we see the pattern here of going from uh, chaos to tradition, doubt, and then into, into mystery. Um, we see him leaving the temple of tradition, uh, kind of being led out into deeper and deeper waters, and then ultimately uh, being in a water, being in a river in in the water that cannot be crossed, um, having to kind of come to terms um, with the mystery of life and the mystery of of transformation. So maybe another question this week is, uh, where are we being led? Where are we being led? Uh, by whom are we being led? Uh, are the voices and influences in our life leading us into mystery, into a, um, a deeper universal awareness? Or are things in our lives like trying to box us in or cate categorize um, our worth, uh, identity, ego, success? Um, I'm curious of what symbols of this pattern or these types of patterns of the hero journey. I'm curious of what symbols uh, resonate with you as you sort of uh, read this gospel text, as you kind of contemplate the, the pattern of, of call, severance, descent, underworld, and return. And if they don't, I, I'd be curious uh, of, of, of what you think or, or what you don't resonate with as well. Okay, so as we mentioned during Epiphany, Jesus' an, an announcement of the good news 
an invitation to change our hearts and lives is a present plural invitation, not individual. So there is the individual aspect of Lent. There is a, there is a call to individual transformation, how you do, um, how, how you do little things is how you, as, or how you do everything, right? Um, but how uh, is this call an invitation to, to our story and to the story, if we want to use that, that image? It's not an individual call in the Gospels. It's a, it's a communal call towards the transformation of the community and the transformation of the world, which is it's inherently a political message. Uh, Jesus' transformation in the wilderness, uh, it is personal, but it doesn't continue inward and away from the material world, but it returns back into the world, announcing a kind of liberation. Uh, even last week's story of the Transfiguration shows a very similar communal experience of the Transfiguration, but the disciples have to return and live out the mystery in their lives and in the world. And this is always political. It's political due to the language that Jesus uses announcing good news, even in this very basic sense, which good news is a phrase that the Roman Empire would have used. And so Jesus is co-opting the phrase of good news to announce his message of life and liberation. So he, he's taking something that is used against the people to oppress and saying, now I'm, I'm actually announcing good news. I'm, I'm announcing a different kind of interpretation and it's going to involve change hearts and minds and lives and show us that we are to be living in, a, in, in the world in such a way that that liberates people from oppression and poverty and violence. We talked a little about this on Wednesday, but it's similar to uh, it's similar to his announcement in the temple in Luke four. Just it's just really abbreviated here. Um, and the significance that we are maybe the question is what is the significance of living into the hope and and the promise of jubilee, which is the erasing of debt and domination while we still live in the liminal mystery of this hope, the, um, the, what, it, what is present but yet still to come, um, waiting, for, waiting for a wave to come and the patience for its arrival. Uh, this is a political way of being in the world uh, because to live in this way both in the first century and now means that we are adopting a different set of values um, from, from our culture, from our world, from our society, from our country, uh, just as the value set um, that Jesus is calling people into here, changing your hearts and lives, is adopting a different value set from the Jewish authorities and from the Roman authorities. Um, so maybe another question would be what values or inherent or ingrained patterns of behavior, cultural practices are challenged today by Jesus announcing good news in the present, right, to us. Uh, if we cannot say this is good news for the forgotten, the lowest, uh, the least successful, the disadvantaged, then the question has to be, is it really good news? Is it good news 
if it's not good news for the lowest in society, for the least successful, for the disadvantaged, um, what is the good news that Jesus is announcing? And that is a phrase and a question that is asked in Christianity all the time, and it can just be kind of th- thrown around as trite. What it, Jesus announces good news. Okay, well, what is good news? Um, I often think about that in, in the sense of talking about faith or, or preaching even. Um, like, can this message... Like, is it, is it personal and is it universal? Like, can you say this to everyone and it still be good news? Can it still resonate? Uh, good news in this gospel sense challenges our systems of safety, uh, security, our place in society. Um, so in this invitation to Lent, to imagine, to have these uh, these symbols of transformation, this, this sort of wayless way of transformation, um, to allow it to work on us, to, to, have it, to have ourselves open up to the mystery and the unknown for this pattern of transformation that we see um, Jesus lay out, right? Like G- Jesus is, is the human one and he has this transformative experience and uh, like we were saying with uh, Meister Eckhart, um, we can't watch from the sidelines, right? It's a, it's a call and an invitation for us in our moment. And how can we be led into the dark wood? How, can, uh, how is the spirit pulling us into the wilderness? Maybe particularly when we want the answers or we want a, a God who uh, maybe is a little bit more predictably on our side. May we let the Spirit lead us into Lent this, this week, this year, uh, with, a, with a new sense of openness and mystery and all for the life that we have been given uh, to find my story in our story in the larger cosmic story, which is always wonderfully, terrifyingly, beautifully unfolding and emerging in this moment. Uh, Okay, I think we will leave it there. It's enough rambling for one week. Uh, Join us on Sundays at 10 if you're free, and again on Wednesday at 7 for week two of Atheism for Lent. I'm really looking forward to our journey over the next 40 days, both on Sundays and on Wednesdays. And with that, as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.